All right. All right. Welcome back to another episode. And my guest joining me today, if you don't recognize him, you may recognize his voice because he voiced Duncan in Total Drama Island, and he's done numerous other great acting gigs throughout his career as well. Mr. Drew Nelson, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, not bad. I'm glad to finally meet you. Obviously, we spoke off camera. We were talking about Total Drama Island. Can you believe that it's 15 years this month since it first premiered? No, it blows my mind. I mean, the success of the show has just totally surpassed any of our expectations whatsoever. And the fact that it's hit a global audience is just like mind blowing. It's it's very flattering. Did it was it a Canada show at first and then they pivoted it to show in the U.S. or was yeah. it just oh wow. Yeah, the creators are Canadian uh, from Toronto, I believe, and uh, and the, yeah, and and the the animation studio is a, is a Canadian based studio, and uh, and and it aired in Canada on Teletoon and then in the states on Cartoon, Cartoon Network. Was there a spikeage, and maybe that's why they started airing it in uh, the U.S. Like, did, was it hit, hitting at first in the Canada? Uh, I can't quite remember if it if it was like hitting really hard in Canada, but. I, I do, I do just just sense that that the American audience and and global audience just picked up on it way quicker than than we ever expected, um, and and it just ran from there. Yeah, we spoke about uh, how they kind of took like a genre that was already established with Survivor, and it was almost in a sense like a spoof of that, right? Like they mixed their own unique elements with. I know the season one they had. The characters, they were staying at like a campsite. So there was a little bit of a play on that. But it was essentially like a survivor type show that they yeah. took and ran with it. That was the formula. Yeah, Tom and Jen, they they're they're geniuses. I mean, like they they capitalized on a hot show that was happening on on live action and they you know came up with this brilliant animation idea and, and it's just been they just haven't looked back. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work our way up to that. But I want to kind of ask you how 2022 has been for you thus far. Have you been doing any upcoming projects? What have you kind of been up to? Yeah, it's been good. You know, COVID, I mean, <laughs> I don't even want to bring it up. But uh, I, I've been very lucky with, with work over COVID, which has been great, keeping me afloat in that sense. Uh, I worked on uh, a couple cool things. I, I worked on Guillermo del Toro's latest uh, feature that, that, that came out last Christmas. Nightmare Alley, and uh, I have a show on Apple that's coming out uh, in August, actually, called Five Days of Memorial, um, which is should be really, really uh, gripping television. It's um, it's a, it's it's basically the recounting of uh, Hurricane Katrina. Wow. Yeah, really powerful. The trailer just dropped, I think, last week, and it was it was amazingly done. So, so you're playing one of the characters in that? Yeah, I play a real life CNN reporter. Um, based on the uh, the true guy, yeah, yeah. So it's my first time ever playing a reporter in anything, and uh, it had its own challenges for sure. You know, but but I think it came off pretty well. Was that kind of like a different, unique spin to some of the roles that you're used to, either voicing or acting, or was it kind of something that you were able to fit right in? Uh, no, it was challenging for sure because you know uh, a lot of the time I had no one to work off of, another actor to work off of. I had to look directly into the lens and and report uh, in in a very sort of um, animated way, slightly. I mean, it was it was really a, a challenge in finding a way to you know obviously make 
hit him uh, sound like a human and and have re you know realistic qualities, uh, grounded qualities, but also having a sort of heightened delivery mm -hmm. that I'm not used to. Um, so yeah, it would it was uh, it, it was fun. It was it was just great. Um, the the executive producer and director on that uh, Carlton Hughes I worked with on the strain, so it was just a real treat to to get to be reunited with him. Are you traditionally more geared towards maybe characters or roles that are like a little softer spoken or like more mellow with their personalities? Uh, I feel like when I was younger, first starting out in the business, there, 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 I got sort of painted as like the bad guy a lot of the time. Like I was sort of the, the sort of edgy teen kid or, or like early 20s edgy guy, you know? And just as I keep aging, um <laughs> they realize that i have a little bit of a warmer heart than a you know than a cold heart so so that's kind of nice um so i've been getting you know a lot of young dads but there's always like a little bit of a uh you know an edge to them like they're you know twice divorced or they're you know ha have an alcohol problem or something like that right so so it's it's it, there's always like a, a dimension to these characters that that is, is fun to play, you know, and it's cool that, that they, they see that I can, that I can find those, those different nuances. Why, why do you think that is that you get into those roles? Like, do they ask like any questions like in throughout the process that would maybe lean towards like, oh, he might be good for this role? Or do you think that's just how the thing? Well, a lot of the time, like I was always told I had very sinister eyebrows. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time that, that, that did it on its own, you know, you just put my face on camera and you see an evil yeah. guy. I mean, that's, 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 that's the, so far from the truth, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think, uh, look, I mean, I think any actor can get pigeonholed and I'm very lucky that I really haven't been, I, I've, I've managed to bounce around all different genres, all different types of characters. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for that because he, a lot of actors I know are just the handsome CW guy or the. Do you know what I'm saying? Or the, yeah, or yeah. The, yeah, or the ingenue or whatever for, you know, for a lot of females. So it's cool. I don't know. I feel like the edgy role could be kind of fun though. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best. I mean, it's so much, I mean, that's where the imagination, the pretend comes into play, right? It, it's, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's allowing yourself to, get out any sort of angst or frustration that you might have you can't get out on a daily basis but you can you can you know you can channel it through this character and and find it everyone's got a you know everyone's got a little bit of a dark side in them right so so when you get done with the finished product because this is a popular question i ask a lot of people that are either actors or maybe just any forms of television when they get done with the finished product some of them love watching themselves back and others can't do it like they'll just get done with the finished product and then yeah. they'll just be done with it where do you fall on the line do you like watching your finished product or are you kind of like an artist like you'll put your work out there for others to see and then you kind of just fade once it's done I think it depends on the project that I'm on. If it's something that was, you know, more or less to serve a means at the time in terms of like paying rent and that kind of thing, it was more of a, a sort of, a, you know, a paycheck, then I might not, I might not watch it. You know, um, a lot of you to understand a lot of the time when this stuff comes out, we have no idea what the release date is or, or the, you know, what the network's plans is of, of when this, this content's coming out. So it's a bit of a crapshoot. You'll get like a random call from one of your 
you know, mom's like an aunt or something. And they're like, oh, yeah, I just saw so-and-so on TV. It's like, I didn't even know I was going to be on TV, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. What, sorry, what was your question? Oh, if you enjoy, like, watching the finished product. Oh, right, right. Once it's um, fade away. For me personally, as long as I'm watching the stuff back and I'm like, oh, yeah, I buy that or this is believable, or I believe that this, you know, that I disappeared a little bit in this part, like I'm happy with that. Right. I don't, I don't, I've gotten to a place now where I can watch my work and, and not like look at things in, in, in a vanity way. You know, um, if, if I, if, if, if what I'm watching back is believable and I disappear a bit that then that I'm happy with that. Yeah. I know that's like a popular thing, like when people just get done with the product, because typically when you're shooting these things, you don't know how long it could be like you could be going through like hours, months, years of footage to where the point you're just like, OK, I, I did this. I shot the thing. Now the audience can watch it and formulate their opinions. I'm just going to go back to my life. Like that's right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the lifestyle, right? You You go in. You know, you, you go and you do the work, you do your best, you know, given the time that you have to prepare a lot of the time, you don't really have much time to prepare stuff. But um, and then you just go on and you, and you just have hopes that there's going to be something else that comes around. You know, that's that's kind of uh, the way you got to you got to sort of look at at the job at hand. You focus on the job at hand and then you do it to the best of your ability and then you move on to the next one. So what's like a day-to-day life for you when you're not acting? Like, are there any niches of yours or like hobbies that you pick up? I could have sworn I saw you golfing at one point. On oh, your yeah, I love golf. If I, if I could golf every day of the week, I, I would golf every day of the week. Um, I, I grew up playing golf. Uh, yeah, and just the, the passion for the sport just keeps growing as I get older. Because um, there's so much to golf that's not just about the game itself. It's like the game within the game. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of really great metaphors in life and within golf. Um, are you a golfer too? Uh, here and there. Yeah. You got the polo on, man. You know, it's the <laughs> fool of me. Um, but uh, what else? What else? I love music. I love going to like outdoor music festivals. Um I got a lot of really great friends in my life and, you know, just, just hang with them, especially in the summer in Toronto, it's like special time. So it's like great to just to be out as much as possible. Um, I love art, you know, graffiti, street art. Big, you're, a big rap, you're a Raptors fan or not really? I'm a Raptors fan, right? yeah. When, when the Raptors are doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in the stadium cheering them on and, and, you know, baseball too. It's just fun to go to a stadium. Yeah. Are you Yankees fan or Mets fan or Mets? Yeah, Mets. But nice. football's American football is like my uh, main sport of choice. I would say, yeah. Nice. Yeah, the Mets are they're still doing really well, right? Yeah, yeah. we're not too bad right now for a change. Yeah, <laughs> you know, run with it. What What is like the main food? I guess you would say in Canada, because over in New York, I would say like. Pizza would, yeah, pizza. Some, occasionally hot dogs, you know, rear their head there. Um, yeah. But when you're, so say if like you were instructing an outsider who was coming into your part of Canada and they were like, oh, what's like the food of choice? Like you can't leave Canada without eating. Cause you know, you go to Philadelphia, it's a cheesesteak, obviously. Sure. Crab cakes are like Maryland. What What is like um, the food thing that you would instruct an outsider to eat in Canada without leaving? 
I mean, it would depend on the person that's asking me, but I, I, I feel like across the board, the answer would be a poutine, which is like French fries, oh, cheese curds. And then, but, but we have this place here that, that does like custom poutines. So it's like, you can put pulled pork on there. You can put anything under the sun really on a, on, on French fries. So I'd say that's sort of the, that would be the unhealthy choice. Uh, the healthy choice. <laughs> Uh, you know, in Toronto, especially, we're so lucky with, with our culinary scene. There's such a crazy swath of diversity of like, it, like any given night you can go to, you know, Thai restaurants, sushi, pizza, you know, like, um, Puerto Rican, Mexican, like there, there's, there's every single, uh, type of cuisine in the city uh, and there's variety of it too. So. With me personally, I love I love tacos, man. There's a spot that I oh, go to. Yeah. If anyone that's listening, if you ever visit Toronto and you want the best huevos rancheros, go to this place called Easy Diner, um, which is on Queen Street at, at Ronsonsville. This is very like Toronto centric. Not many people will understand this, but <laughs> I'm telling you, it is legendary. I get it every single time I go. Are you a soft uh, or hard shell guy? Soft. Well, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Hard shell just gets too messy after a while. The, the only times I ever find myself having hard shells is if I'm just doing it for like old times' sake, you know. Like it's just kind of. Tr- I'd say hard shells are more like the traditional taco, right? Yeah, if you want but, some, like some sort of nostalgia. Yeah. When you're a kid eating tacos for the first time, yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. But in terms of taste, I don't even think it's a question which is better. No, I agree. Soft. Yeah. Always. Yeah. What was your upbringing maybe like? Like, what were you, what was like your, uh, you know, coming to be? How were you introduced to acting? What was growing up like? You grew up in Ontario, right? Grew up in Ontario, grew up uh, in a suburb just outside of Toronto called Etobicoke, which is like 10 or 15 minute drive from the city. Um, what was my upbringing like? I mean, it was a typical suburban upbringing, most, mostly. Had a lot of like neighborhood kids around my age that all lived within this sort of three block, four block radius. So we all, you know, we play like full court basketball, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, just, you know, get up to get up to kids stuff, you know, build forts and bike rides and all that kind of thing. Um, and I went to a public high school and the way that I got into acting was a little bit kind of by accident. Um, when I was in high school, I think it was grade 11. I had a, a, a drama teacher that left that went on maternity leave. And so she was replaced by this woman who was uh, brought in from New York City, funny enough. And uh, she had, she'd been training um, as I believe an actor like a, or, or a teacher at Circle in the Square. And so she was bringing her knowledge of, of learning all that stuff in New York and bringing it into like an elementary or a high school setting. And she was teaching us about like breaking down scenes and, you know, really digging into craft stuff. And I just really took a liking to it immediately. Um, and, you know, subsequently, you know, the, the, the following year, she basically tapped me to play the lead in, in the high school production that she was putting on. And, and that was kind of it. I had a, a real tough time in like math and sciences. And, and, you know, once those teachers started coming up to me after seeing the show and patting me on the back and being like, you know, you know, the fact that you're like, you know, failing my class right now, 
don't worry about it. You, you, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I think this acting thing might work for you, you know? So, um, so that was encouraging for sure. And then uh, I studied uh, a couple years at this great uh, college here in Toronto and soon after got an agent and started working. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty fast tracked, right? You'd say? I would say so. I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was, uh, it happened pretty quick, you know, and, and I, I got my, my, my foot in the door and my bearings, uh, pretty, pretty quick. I'd say started building my resume, got my union card, uh, you know, within, I think a year and, um, haven't looked back, man. Just, uh, yeah, just keep moving. Did you, did you stay in, uh, you know, Canada for most of your work or did you do the thing where you had to make the pivot to LA at any point? I've spent a, quite a bit of time in LA, uh, over the, I mean, over the past, I guess, yeah, 10, 10 or 12 years, um, you know, little stints here and there, but it's funny, you know, as a Canadian actor, as soon as you do make the jump over to the States, all of a sudden your stock rises in Canada. And so you're getting the call to come back to Toronto to work on something that's shooting there, you know? So it, it's uh, it's interesting how that, how that works. You got to fly the nest in order to sort of come back to it, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, I, I have, uh, you know, I've had some, some good success in LA for sure. And, and, uh, I plan to spend some more time there. What was your first gig that you got as far as like acting roles go? So my first, my first, uh, on camera gig ever was this show called in a heartbeat, which was on Disney. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was about these young paramedics. And, uh, I was playing like a, a BMX motocross guy, uh, oh. who was like, I had long shaggy hair back when like, <laughs> it was huge. And, uh, and so it just fit the bill really well. And, uh, you know, it's funny because a, a really close friend of mine, Sean Ashmore, was the lead of that show. And so it was cool to be like on set with him in that capacity. And he's basically like looking over this like motorcycle, this BMX dude, you know, and, and uh, so that, that was really fun. How hands on was it? Did they get like stunt doubles for you as far as like any like motor cycle? Luckily, luckily, my scene picked up after he fell off his bike. And, and okay broke his leg or whatever it was and so yeah no i didn't i didn't have to have stunt double yeah <laughs> just making sure that's usually <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but that, so, that, was, that was the first one man that was the first gig ever wow yeah time flies then huh that was 2000 and 2000 2000 2000 2001 yeah does it feel that long ago that you got your door in or foot in the door, rather. The door. Uh, <laughs> or does it feel like yesterday? And it's been like, yeah, 22 years. Does 22 years feel long? Uh, you know, honestly, I feel like I still got a long way to go. I, I kind of still have that. I, I've never really lost the fire, and I've mm -hmm. never really like I've never gotten to a point where I've been jaded, where I feel like I'm in, entitled really to to being hired. I always feel like I, I, I kind of have this, always had this underdog mentality to me. And I feel like that's what really pushes me. Why, why do you feel like that is? Was there any particular event in your life or is that just your source of motivation? Uh, that's a really good question. I, I think, yeah, I think it's growing up. Um, you know, I always want to make the basketball team and I, I work my butt off to, to get there and I never made the team, you know, and, and that made, made me want to work harder the next year to try to make the team. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think anything that I'm really passionate about, I, I, I just want to be the best at. And, and so 
I, I try, I try my hardest to, to get there, you know? Well, that's a really good source of motivation to have. I think any, and I think this is mostly a thing. I mean, I don't know. I can't really speak for everybody, but I'm kind of the same way to where I'll like tell myself in my head that, you know, somebody doesn't think that I'm like good enough to do something like that. Just so like, even if that's not the case, like it'll yeah. fuel me, you know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I think that's like a guy thing though. I feel like just in sports too, they kind of say like, oh, this, like you see pro athletes, they'll be like, they don't think I'm good. And like, even if that's not the case, just so they have like, you know, they call it bulletin board material actually is what sports teams call it. Cause if oh, you, yeah. you put, oh. you put something on a bulletin board, it's like, you look at like your source of motivation. It's kind of like when sports teams like walk out of the tunnel, like there's usually like some slogan or something like they'll like, uh, yeah. What, so what, here's a personal question to you. What drove you to want to do this podcast? Because as I get, older in this business and just in life, I feel like the element of executing on something is a, is a rarity. You know, a lot of people talk about stuff that they want to do, but actually following through and executing it and putting yourself out there, like that's commendable. That that's, you know, that that's something to be, to, to be proud of. Yeah. Um, I would say exactly what you said. Uh, I also grew up in the suburbs myself. And I would say like YouTube was a big thing that everybody wanted to do. Everybody was like, I'm, when I get older, I want to be a YouTuber. And it was all just like murmurs, but I actually always wanted to do it. And so it actually started when COVID started. I took the initiative to do it and try it. And I just said like, if I'm going to be good enough, I'm going to be good enough. Like I'm just going to be like noticed or like pick up steam through me. So that's why like, the podcast is like my name. Like I didn't want to, you know, put like a gimmick or like a name over. Like I just wanted to get over as like myself, you know what I mean? But I think like the main source of motivation came was because in high school, I found myself always trying to like adapt and fit in with like what the perception of a scene was, not rather what I felt the necessity to do or like what I felt comfortable doing, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So you went with your gut, with your intuition of the type of podcast you wanted to run you wanted to be able to ask the questions that, you know, that, that you've been probably burning to ask people, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to add my own unique kind of spin to yeah. it. It's mm -hmm. good. Good for you. Yeah. So listen, we're not too different after all. <laughs> no, no, man. We're, we're all artists, you know, trying yeah. to chase something, chase a dream or whatever it is. And, and, uh, yeah, you just, you just got to keep going. Mm -hmm. Never stop. Right. So what would you say your casting process was like for Total Drama Islands? Did you go and seek it out? Were you noticed? And maybe how did that process itself go? Right. Okay. So I, I fell into voice work. I was with an agent at the time doing mostly on camera stuff. And one day he put me out for animation. And for whatever reason, you know, someone picked up on the tone of, 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 of you know, a lot of people sort of, they, they like the uh, variation in my voice that I can do in the, the bottom. They always talk about the bottom in voice work. Um, I think that's the proper term anyway, whatever. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and so for Total Drama, they called me in originally for Chris McLean and I read for him and I really enjoyed that one. And, uh, and who else did I read for? I also read for Jeff, I think it was. Mm. And, also, and then Duncan, obviously. Um, and how did it work? I think I read it once. I read all three once and then I got called 
back in for Duncan. And I think it was simple as that. I think it was a couple auditions and, uh, and that was pretty much it. Did, so did you, were, was it explained to you what the show was when you were initially trying out? It was pretty top secret at the time. From what I remember, uh, they, they, you know, they, they always give you, provide you with a character breakdown and then the characters, uh, lines within the script that they want you to read. And, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty straightforward. It's pretty, pretty similar to other auditions. I'm yeah. trying to think if I signed an NDA or not, because I don't know if we were quite at that place where people were watermarking scripts and signing NDAs and stuff. Cause that's out of control these days. Uh, almost every project you got to sign in. Well, not every project, but most projects you got to sign NDAs for now. It's just wild. Um, but from what I recall, that was the process. Um, yeah, because when I'm thinking about the voices of those characters you listed, like the Chris McLean voice is so distinct. Like mm -hmm. you just don't hear uh, or see rather the person behind the voice. You'll just automatically just assume the cartoon characters in the other room. You know what I mean? Like you, you have like such a voice that's like just like chill. You know what I mean? Like a chill voice, like a relaxed voice. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I guess that fits the Duncan role very well. Jeff, I, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I, yeah, uh, you know, like he was a really fun guy to play. I mean, I, you know, I'm playing this sort of the juvenile delinquent guy, you know, the, the guy that, that everybody sort of loves to hate. And uh, but I, I thought the writers did such a great job of just imbuing him with this beautiful sarcasm. And I just keyed into anytime Duncan speaks, most likely he's going to be ripping on someone, you know, and, and I just it was just really fun to play. Are you sarcastic yourself? Was it easy yeah. to fit into the role? <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I get cast a lot for like sarcastic jerks, for sure. <laughs> you know, and it, it, they're fun to play. Like, I, what, am I like that in life? I, yeah, I'd say there's elements of that to me in life, for sure. Um, not the jerky aspect, but. That, that makes it easy to play the role, though. That's the thing. Yeah, well, a lot of the time, I'm sure you know this, you know, you're, you're cast for your innate qualities a lot of the time, especially for lead characters. And so, you know, I've got this sort of thing that I, you know, in my voice, I can crack it like this. And that kind of gives that laid back sarcasm vibe. And, and so I think, I think they really dug that. It's, it's so uncanny, like how the, the, like, it's so weird. Like your voice sounds the same as like it did then. It, it's yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, they they when we were doing the original total drama, from what I understand, they had to pitch it up a little bit because I do have a little bit more of a, a you know a deeper relaxed. Yeah, like I, I speak slower. I think. Um, actually, you know what am I saying? I speak faster in life, and he speaks slower. So, but I know they pitched it up a little bit. But um, when we did total drama rama, uh, when playing Duncan in in daycare, uh. I had to talk like it was it was hard finding that sarcastic laid back vibe to a kid who's in daycare. I guess he'd be like, you know, eight years. I don't know. How, how old are you in daycare? Like, you know, younger, probably. Old, but yeah, yeah I don't know. But um, so that was a challenge for sure. It's finding like the proper the, the, the proper pitch because I knew they were going to pitch him higher. So that that was that was a bit of a, a challenge to find that balance. Yeah, Duncan went on to be, and there was obviously other iconic characters as well in the series. But Duncan, I would say, honestly, depending on who you ask, might have went on to be like the 
token face of like the total drama franchise. I think if you ask most fans, they would probably say that. Well, thanks to the fans. I mean, I like again, there's so many characters on that show, right? So many great, great characters. Like Owen, he's my personal favorite. Scott McCord's an absolute genius, you know, with what he brings to Owen. So yeah, look, I, I again it's it's like incredibly flattering that that one person watched the show, let alone thousands or not say millions, but you know, the, the the audience that it's that's that it's built is just incredible. Did you expect that kind of reception or did you kind of brush it off your shoulder once the first season got aired? No, not at all. Are you kidding me? We were just hoping that it got picked up for a second season so we could eat. You know, like, like, like that's, that's the life, right? You just, you just hope that, uh, what, what you do resonates. And I mean, there's a, certainly a lot of things that I've done that hasn't resonated, right. That, that you sort of had high hopes for. And, and for whatever reason, you just never know what is going to stick in people's minds, you know, or who's going to latch on to what. So yeah, yeah, no, the total drama, uh, fan base is rabid and, very loyal and and I try my best to reply to everyone that that hits me up so feel free to you know dm me whenever and um I'll do my best to to say what's up I just remember when it first came out because it came out on Cartoon Network in the US so it was a much different show than like the other Cartoon Network shows so when it first came out I just remember being like what is this like cuz it was so I, it was so captivating you hadn't seen like a show like it as a reality spoof essentially put onto yeah. a, a cartoon network and like I mm-hmm. first I would say nobody knew like what to make of it but it just stuck and like worked so yeah. well and it felt like so authentic too that's the thing it felt mm-hmm. like as kids like you were able to like put yourself in that situation and kind of relate to it it's amazing. That's a, that's amazing. That, again, that's Tom and Jen that put and the writers, the brilliant writers room that put put all those characters on, you know, on screen. I mean, it's testament to them. It's all from their imaginations, right? So it's it's all them. Did you get recognized by your voice at all in public, like in a setting? I have. I have. Uh, <laughs> the funniest story was when we were in Jamaica. Um, I, I, I once uh, reiterated that story at, at one of the uh, Comic Cons and, and uh, to, to great embarrassing uh, degree. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was, it, was, it was incredible. There, there was, um, I was there with Scott McCord, actually, and uh, there was uh, uh, this lovely woman who, who was one of the, the cooks at this, um, this, I guess, home that we were staying at. And, and, she, and we got to know her really well. And, and at one point she just sort of clued in, like it took her a while to kind of clue in, but then she mentioned how it, her, it was her daughter's favorite show. And uh, one day her daughter came by and, and, you know, we took pictures and signed, signed little uh, pictures, uh, autographs or whatever. And so that, that was really cool. Um, but other than that, uh, there was something recently that happened, but it's just, it's escaping me the, the details of it. But um yeah, yeah, it's 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 cool when it happens for sure. What what about any interesting or or weird? Could be interesting or weird, like maybe online interactions with fans. Like, do you get any like uh, out there messages from time to time? Um, I I uh, there was one time on Instagram where there was this particular fan who who was very attracted to Duncan. I guess I don't know. 
and uh, was leaving like pretty inappropriate messages on on the comment stream. So I had to like you know kind of curate that a little bit. Um, yeah, so that was a little little strange. That's like the worst. <laughs> it's like yeah, I have yeah, it's, like, it's like come on, dude, you know, come on. I mean, there's a, there's you know young kids that are you know that, that comment and, and and try to communicate and stuff. It's like let let's keep this PG, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I have like similar stuff happen where like if I have a podcast with like a guest that like a fan um, maybe is like opposed to like they'll leave a comment like underneath like my video like acting as if they're talking directly to that person. <laughs> it's really my video that they're commenting under. So I'm like, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's like a it's like a weird time machine element with like the the fans of shows. But. Yeah. What what about with your podcast? Because like, do you open it up to comments and, and that kind of thing? Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah, why. Yeah. That's why. That's actually why I wanted YouTube as like my main source of uh, the podcast is to have like an interactive kind of environment. I know like uh, Apple and Spotify is a big thing for podcasts um, these days, um, but I wanted specifically like a video virtual element to it and both a comment section directly under the podcast. You know. Got it. Yeah. But uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining me today. I had a fun time chat with you, um, getting to kind of pick your brain a little bit on some uh, total drama topics and hearing about your uh, great acting career. And um, good luck in the future. Hope uh, good things keep continuing to come your way. And um, I'll let you know when this is out. That sounds great, man. Thank, thanks for, for hitting me up, Mike. Appreciate uh, it. Take care. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you as well. Bye, guys.